This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. All right, welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate you being with us. If you don't already subscribe, please do so wherever you get your audio. If you're watching us on our live Facebook uh, stream after the game, thanks for being with us. Had some technical issues. We usually stream to a bunch of different locations. But of course, just like everything went wrong for the Raiders today in their their three to nothing loss to the Vikings... Uh, so did some of the technical issues here on our end. So there you go. But we are back. I'm Scott Colbranson. I'm joined by my good friend, and that is Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, who's going to give us his Voice of the uh, Fan segment here in just a second. But of course, the Raiders, just a, a terrible game. I should talk like this, Murph, because it was 3-0, right? So I, I <laughs> joked on X.com that I felt like I was covering a soccer game. I mean, 0-0, zero to zero, and there was, a, there was two minutes left in the game, right, until they kicked the field goal. So the Raiders really, I think, uh, take a step backwards here. And it's, it's you, when you have no room, no wiggle room for error, and you come out and you score zero points off the bye, ugh, that's really, really tough, everybody. So you're going to have to uh, deal with that, unfortunately, and we'll see how that all goes. But Murph, I want to first turn it over to you. I don't, I don't know what you're going to say, but I know it'll be good. I know you'll try to find some positives in this three to nothing lost. Murph, do you realize they lost three to nothing? Uh, yeah. So here, here's my, here's my big takeaway from this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Curly used to say, right? Oh my uh, gosh. What an, uh, gosh, what a bad football game. I mean, let's not put lipstick on the pig. Yeah. This was, uh, just, uh, grind <laughs> to watch man this one was rough and we've had some rough games this season but this absolutely took the cake and you know uh so i think at this point we've just about been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention this is the lowest scoring game in the history of indoor football like i mean come on now. i mean only the raiders could do this kind of stuff and and it's uh you know what, what, what else can you do but laugh at this point? I mean, we've, we've all been, you know, we're all dejected. We're all disappointed. And we all had high expectations and high hopes for this football team and especially the resurgence of the team uh, under the helm of, of Antonio Pierce. And so there was a lot of things to look forward to. And there was a lot of excitement, although I thought or I knew that we all thought that the the playoffs were kind of an outside shot looking in, you know, but we, 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 we could only hope for the best. And if some things fell in our favor, then the Raiders could possibly be in contention. But listen, man, I mean, at home to get shut out. I mean, that's just, listen, it's embarrassing. I mean, I don't even know how to put it in. And, and, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, this person needs to be fired. That person needs to be fired or whatever. Well, this is a team that's been in turmoil, frankly, since, you know, John Gruden got, you know, uh, dismissed. Um, so there's a lot of things that obviously need to change and we can we can go through the details of it and pick on the different things. But um, at the end of the day, Scott, it was just another big major disappointment in a series of disappointments that have been going on 
you know, since the hiring of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and, and us losing to the Cincinnati Bengals when we couldn't convert inside the 10 yard line on four tries. <laughs> yes. And uh, this game, the Raiders could not get a first down. They just could not get a first down. I mean, I, I was, I was, I was uh, posting about it because I, I was, it was, I w- see, I'm speechless. I mean, you look at the Raiders, eight first downs. They had no first downs in the second half. They had eight in the entire game. They had 16 against the Chiefs before the bye. So 24 first downs in two games, okay? Now, the Vikings weren't much better. They, they look terrible coming off the bye, too. But the Vikings don't pay their offense $100 million, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I know, hey, look, it starts with the quarterback. And this is a couple things. And, and, and I know... Watching your show this past week, you had your impassioned plea, and I appreciated it very much around <laughs> Antonio Pierce and all of that. But I think this game uh, had proved to me. Now, I'm not saying everybody's got to agree with me. This game proved to me that I just don't think he's ready to be a head coach. Uh, I'm not saying he's not a good man. I'm not saying he's a good coach. And if someone comes in and wants to, to retain him on staff, that would be awesome because the players love him. But here's what I want you to consider. They go to a bye. They have two weeks to prepare for this game, a week and a half, whatever you want to call it. And and they just came out completely flat. In that time, we heard a lot of the players talk about, we heard Max Crosby on the insiders on NFL Network say, hey, no, we want to, we want this guy to be our coach. We want Champ Kelly to be our GM. And these guys get it. We want them here. And then they go out and they play like that. So it, it's hard for me to look at this and say, okay, this is going in the right direction. Do I think it's better than it was? Of course. Antonio Pierce is, is a good, good man compared to what Josh McDaniels was. But I will say that this was a tough one to swallow. Not good for him. He had no margin for error, I believe, there, too. So you look at that. And then you look at Aiden O'Connell. You know, we've always been folks here who've said, hey, look, you got to see what the kid's got. You got to give him a chance. He's not a first-round draft pick, so you got to have your expectations in line, a lot of people's expectations were way too far gone. But he had a terrible game. He just had a terrible game. And it ended terribly. He looked terrible. The negatives with decision-making were there. You saw, and this is, I've, I've had an ongoing uh, feverish discussion with listeners, Raider fans online, about denying that you need a mobile quarterback these days. And you saw why. There was a two, three times off the top of my head, where Aiden O'Connell got sacked or got knocked out of the pocket, where if he could move, I'm not saying he completes a pass, but he doesn't get sacked, right? So he at least tries to move. So I think you saw the limitation there. And I'm not saying Aiden O'Connell shouldn't be on the team. I think he'd be a great backup quarterback from what I've seen so far. But I think you saw the limitations of the current personnel, both coaching and players today. And then, oh yeah, you saw Max Crosby just be Superman again. So look, I think this, this is a realistic outcome from a game now the chargers are terrible chargers have the same record as the raiders by the way they play the chargers who probably are going to be without justin herbert next week but i i don't see any reason why anybody would think that the raiders will win a game the rest of the year now after you saw what you saw tonight Wow, that's a that's a lot, you know, and that's, yes. that's frankly heartbreaking, Scott. <laughs> I watch I mean, that game. It really is. It's heartbreaking. But I, it, there's this is what I always say that you know until the Raiders give you or the, and the critics and, and and you're being a fair critical right now, by the way, not like Twitter guy sixty nine <laughs> Camaro or whatever on 
whatever um but like you know you know there until the readers give us a reason to see and or believe otherwise then anytime there's criticism or negativity lobbied at this team it's all it's all valid and and it's up to the raiders and i hate the word narrative nowadays because it's overused but the bottom line is until the raiders change the narrative that's what it's going to be and whether that's on a on a you know on a channel like this where we love the raiders or in mainstream media or otherwise uh that's what's that's how it's going to be until the Raiders do something differently and when you have a series of disappointments that's you're going to be under constant criticism and again it makes it all validated here's what I will say though let's I want to kind of rewind back a little bit and go through some of the things that you said there Mm -hmm. one of the things about Antonio Pierce um you and I and Mo and and and, you know obviously you know I love you guys and you, you know what I mean and we know it's mutual but listen, radio wasn't always great when everyone sits around and, and, and agrees with each other, right? And so sometimes it's a good idea to have a little bit of a differing opinion, and we're not going to go all skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp here. But, but the idea that, you know, we can have a difference of opinion, and I would push back to, like, that the idea that I, I still, despite the failure of today, I still have faith in a guy like Antonio Pierce, and here's why, is that I feel like he's not an X's and O's guy like we are accustomed to some of the high profile coaches in the league. When you look at Sean McVay, when you look at Andy Reid, when you look at, at at some of these guys, they're hardcore X's and O's guys. And I think that a lot of times we as fans or even just viewers and, and journalists like, like you all, like when you, when you look at the coach, you, we have an expectation that they're going to be highly proficient in those areas in terms of calling games, calling plays, call, doing those things. But in, in all actuality, when you really boil it down, the head coach is a CEO. He's responsible for the leadership and the organization of his constituents, which in this case is a football team, and the coordinators are responsible for the X's and O's. So if we're going to hold Antonio Pierce accountable for the lack of proficiency on offense, we should also hold him accountable for the success on defense, which if we, if, if we had came away for this game and said, okay, the Raiders are going on defense are going to hold the Minnesota Vikings to three points amidst a quarterback change and everything, we'd all be going, oh yeah, Raiders are going to run away with this damn thing. But we have a deficiency on offense because that's the void that was left by stupid Josh McDaniels, his fat ears, and Mick Lombardi. So I hold that that regime way more accountable for the lack of productivity than I do Antonio Pierce because I think that Antonio Pierce has demonstrated his ability to lead and what is he great at what is his expertise playing damn defense and look what we're doing pretty good playing damn defense now we just got to get this offense figured out and hopefully get, get it figured out before we lose a guy like Devontae Adams in the process or even Josh Jacobs for that matter and so and the, and the other thing I'll, I'll say too real quick the limitations that we have at quarterback and and, mm-hmm. a, and a clearly shown up here now with Adel, you guys are totally right. I mean, and and while I was I'm and I still kind of am in the camp that at the end of the day, when you look at teams that hoist Lombardi trophies, they have good defenses, they can run the ball, and they don't turn the ball over. Like that's the yeah, bottom line. Absolutely. And so, and so you made a great point that a lot of those guys that people point at, Nick Foles, Matt Stafford, Joe Flacco, blah blah, those guys that are Brady and Mahomes clearly. Manning, Eli, and his brother—they've—they've they've, that version of the offense or of the NFL has started to age out. Well, I still think there's a little bit of truth to all of that. I still don't think it's a completely lost concept that as long as you do those three things that you can win with a pocket passer. Sure. But I hear you guys loud and clear, like because and you look at a game like today. 
it, yes, you need to have somebody that's proficient in the pocket to win in the postseason. But if you can't get to the postseason, then it's a, who cares? Like you've got to have someone that can get us that far. And and I'm with you on that. That lack of mobility showed up today. And even and there was one other thing about O'Connell that that kind of got me today. I was like, oh gosh, when he he was a little long holding on to the football and then when he finally decided to get rid of it he chucks it out of bounds and gets an intentional grounding with a guy wide open yeah, onto his left hand side yeah 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 it's like, ah, well, dang but see, it. but see you'll be good over time at least in a backup role but he, yeah. I, I don't see him as a starter in this league you brought, you brought up two good points there when you're talking about a pocket passer first of all if you look at if you look Just at who? the young the young quarterbacks that are coming out and going in the first second round None of them are pocket passes, passers. Now, some of them are a little more pocket passers than some of the others, but but most of them aren't. So you're going to see them go away for the most part. But to your point, offense, defensive lines are everything. You have to have those to win in the NFL. Okay. Now, could you have, could Aiden O'Connell, let's say you have a mobile quarterback gets hurt. Aiden O'Connell has to go eight games, finish the season, go into the playoffs. Yes, he could be successful if he has an all pro offensive line. That's the point. So if you have somebody who's a statue, like Tom Brady was, because he was, uh, you, you look at the lo- those lines when they won the Super Bowl in New England, they were incredible, right? And you had to because you could not have a guy that uh, was a pocket passer and not have an offensive line because it was just getting too crazy in there. So that I agree with you. I do think while you're absolutely correct on Antonio Pierce being a good man and a good leader, that does not make him a good head coach. I know it sounds crazy, but I will tell you that preparation is everything. This team had a week and a half to prepare for this game, and they came out, and it was terrible. One of the keys I said before the game, Murph, now some of it was quarterback play, so I'll give that to them, is they had to be aggressive on offense the entire game. They also had to be aggressive, which they were at the beginning on defense with Josh Dobbs. They, they, they eventually chased him from the game. That was a good opportunity because he had turned over the ball six times in the last two games. Okay, So he was primed for that. And the defense did a great job, as you mentioned, overall. Down the stretch, of course, the drive from Nick Mullins, they went down and scored the winning touchdown. But uh, you look at what the offense was unable to do and not getting a first down in the second half, no wonder it happened. So I see that. I just and, – and again, like you said, we, we, we are adults here and, and, and we're buddies – but I will just disagree. I don't think I don't th- I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's not a head coach yet, and and those types of things come out when you come out from a bye week. It's the equivalent in basketball. Like if anybody's a basketball fan out there, of you call a timeout and then you come out and you run a really bad play. You're like, how? Well, that's what you designed in the huddle? Was that bad play? It's the equivalent of that, right? You can't come out of a bye week and look that flat. I don't know why the guys were so flat. That was the other thing. All the talk about playing for him, and they wanted him to keep him as coach, and then, except for the defense, of course. The defense came out firing, looked really great. Tyree Wilson had a good game. Divine Diablo had a great game. Of course, Max Crosby. So so they look good on defense. Again, they're not a top 10 defense, but man, they're playing as hard as they can, and that's all you can expect from them. So I look at this, and I know how disappointed fans are because – it was a tough game to watch. I literally wanted to claw my eyes out. There was no fun here. There was no fun. I mean, there was some there was some stuff here and there, and then you know you get Hunter Renfro going, and then he fumbles. And so so this game was just really frustrating from that perspective. Watching it though, um, it was it was interesting because I just felt as though it wasn't. 
I just didn't see any execution. Like, I didn't see them execute as well. Even in the loss of the Chiefs, they weren't great on offense then either, obviously. But they at least were executing, and sometimes they just didn't win out. This game, though, I didn't see a lot of that. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I, so okay, but I, I I do think they executed pretty well defensively, and so yes. then I go back to the offense, and then again, I'm, I've got to look at what the offense and the and the play calling and the construction of the this offense has looked like when you have a fourth and one, and we're lining up empty. Even dumbass Mark <laughs> Sanchez is going. What are we doing? Like, why are they lining up empty on fourth and one? And you look at those play calls, and I, I think back to a few games ago when we when we had a, a, a I believe it was on a fourth and one, and we kind of did that little fake to Josh Jacobs, and then and then we ran DeAndre Carter on that on that little bit, you know, that little around thing. Like, very innovative play call, and we're going, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Bo Hardigree, I see you. Like that was that was pretty clever. What happened to that? Now we're doing all this, and, and this isn't the first time that we've done this empty set on on short down and distance. And I'm thinking, like, this is we have the, we have the guy that with the led the league in rushing last year. You, you brought back Jacob Johnson onto the under the team. Like, why are we not just lining up heavy and just running that thing up in there? We we and we saw the Raiders do that tonight, even too. Yeah. We saw them convert. We saw Aiden O'Connell convert on on a quarterback sneak. What uh, that stuff is mind boggling to me. And then, and I'm with, and, and gosh, I hate it for Hunter. I feel like that, that guy finally started getting back going again. And then the one time we're in scoring position, he gets the ball punched out. And I don't even know if it's entirely his fault. That was a great defensive play. I mean, that was, that was a heck of a play on the guy and, and, and stuff, you know, things, things like that are going to happen. Um, so you can't pin it on on him entirely, but the, that idea that you know that was that was the one shot that we had uh, to, to get on the board, and, and the Raiders didn't. So I don't know, a lot lot to be considered there, Scott. But I would say this though, again, I go back to that. I, I just think like, what does this team look like with a, a offensive coordinator with bona fides, with like a real legit offensive coordinator, play caller. And I know that like, we're not going to go out and get some premium guy out there. Someone that's going to like, they'd be a head coach instead. But is there someone that's a, you know, a young innovative, you know, whatever coming off of someone's staff coming off of Mike McDaniel staff or what? I don't know. You, you pick it Raider nation, but that idea, does this team look different? And I got to say, Scott, I think it does. And so if that's the case, then is that an indictment on Antonio Pierce? I do hear you loud and clear on the preparation because the, the, listen, the, he's still the head coach. I don't know if it's going through his headset that we're going empty on fourth and one. And does he have the opportunity to buzz in and go, hey, Bo, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know what the, 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 the logistics of that are. But if that's his responsibility and he has an override in that sense, right. you got to make that call, coach. Like, come on now. You know what I mean? So I, if, if that's, uh, you know, if he was at fault on that and that's an indictment of him, Absolutely, but I still – I'll say this and I'll shut up. I still don't think <laughs> – I got a lot to say. You can tell I have a podcast. Okay, man. Keep rolling. 
I don't think it's a deal breaker yet, Scott. And and the idea, and I brought this up on Silver and Black today a few weeks ago. You did. Uh, I said, "Hey, let's. Why don't he can learn the ins and outs and the the minutia of being a head coach from some amazing people that have been in his in his life?" And I even mentioned Tom Coughlin. And what did he do this week? And he brought in Tom Coughlin. Marvin Lewis and Adam Gase. I don't know what that was all about. But anyways, but he brought in other former head coaches to kind of sit in on their meetings and to mentor him. He's going to continue to grow and develop as a head coach. And I think with enough runway, he's going to be great. Now, will that even be as a Raiders head coach? I don't know. I'm hoping for it. But that's the fan in me talking. And if it's not, then that, that whatever. But I, And I wish the guy the best ultimately. But again, Scott, I got to go all the way back to the to the – the, the the coordinators are the ones that are calling the shots, the minutia of the game, the, the, the play in, play out. It's not Antonio Pierce. And if anything on this game, I'll wrap it up on this. If anything in this game was an indictment on any cut, it's Bo Hardegree to me. That's that's your lackey. That's your fall guy, I think, on this game, outside of Aiden O'Connell when it comes to the offense. Yeah, so so no, and, and I hear you. So I, I, well, let's get back to that. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll pick right. up the conversation there. A great uh, soliloquy from from Murph there about an, Antonio Pierce, which I'm going to come back with the opposite argument. But we're going to wait for that after the break. Going to be a quick break here. You're listening to Silver and Black today with Murph and Scott, the postgame edition. Raiders, three to nothing. No, I didn't misspeak. Three to nothing. Uh, they're getting ready for the World Cup. It was a high-scoring game, three to nothing. And uh, we'll be back right after these messages. Who's pitching on Tuesday? 